Well, good morning, North Shore. It is good to be back. I've been on furlough for a couple of weeks, so I really missed just the rhythms of the church. So it's good to be back sharing with you. So if you're here live and in person, uh, it, it is good to be with you. And I'm just excited about just that growing uh, in-person service. And really the focus there is about relationships and coming together in our corporate worship, in our fellowship. If you're still online with us, welcome. I'm glad you're joining us and I'm excited about just this summer because uh, we are in a new series and the series is called Straight from the Heart. We're looking at Psalms this summer and we've titled the series Straight from the Heart uh, because in the Psalms it is characterized by real and raw conversations. And the Psalms we're going to look at this summer are all from David because David gets real. And I think we're in a season in our society, each of our lives, that we need to have honest conversations with God. Pat stated permission to speak freely last week as he opened the series. And so we still want that permission to speak freely. God invites us to that. So we're going to look at Psalm 23. Uh, it's the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. All of you have heard it. If you've been to a funeral or if you have ever gone through a really challenging time, uh, Psalm 23 or a verse from that always kind of floats to the surface. So let's open in prayer. You turn to Psalm 23. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word, that you would have a particular word for North Shore and the people that call North Shore their home and our guests that are online or in person. So, Father, we surrender ourselves to you and ask that you'd move on our hearts, shape us, mold us into that which you want us to be. We are yours. Have your way with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 23. Psalm 23, it was written by David in a really tough time in his life. And in that tough time, he puts a stake in the ground. He makes a strong statement with this song that Psalms 23 is. This is where I put my trust. He says, this is where my hope lies. Now hope, as we look at that, hope is a real powerful element in our lives. Viktor Frankl wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. He talks about hope, and he talks about it in this story. This story, when he was in a concentration camp during World War II, and in a particular Christmas season, the death rate just soared. And he talks about this of why, what he observed. And what he observed was in that Christmas, they were promised in that concentration camp, that they would be released by Christmas. And when Christmas came and went and they were not released, the people lost hope. They lost hope and they succumbed to the things around them and death came. Because see, what, what Viktor Frankl says is that hope compels us. It moves us forward through tough circumstances. It's interesting, in Pastor Ray Johnston's book, 
the hope quotient, what he talks about in hope, he says it's one of the major things in how we get through life and the quality that we get through life with. He says that hope can be grown. That hope can be built. So we can build hope. In our society today, we need to build hope. If we look all around us, we find our hope is taking a hit. It's getting wobbly. It's deflating a bit because of all the circumstances 2020 has offered us. But also in our own personal lives, we need to build hope. We find situations and circumstances where you're looking in the past thinking about that, or currently you're in them, or just knowing that you'll go through them in the future, that we need to build hope. I know for me, in the toughest time in my life, Psalm 23 helped build hope with me. And that difficult time was at my mother's bedside when she passed. We had to honor her wishes with a living will and take life support off. In the days preceding her passing, I got to go in one night in her room, just her and I. It was the toughest time in my entire life. Sat by her bed, and I just got to speak over her, just recapping life and talking. And God led me to read Psalm 23. And I actually read it from this Bible. Sat by her bedside. I want to read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What... That day, I was reminded of hope, the hope that God offers us. And I got to read that, speak that into my own heart over my mom. It was a beautiful moment. And I didn't think that she heard me because she was heavily sedated. But when I got up and went to walk out of the room, I said, I love you, Mom. And she said, I love you too. So Psalm 23 means a lot to me. Where do you need Psalm 23 in your life? Where do you need hope in your life? Let's look at Psalm 23 together and see how to build hope. See, we build hope by following our shepherd. We build hope by following our shepherd. And following starts by declaring. Listen to how David starts. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David's declaration is the Lord, Lord, the word for this, Yahweh. 
And what Yahweh is, it's the highest name for God. It's the most personal name for God. It's the name that God gave to Moses. When Moses asked, who shall I said sent me when he's going off to Pharaoh? And God says, tell him, I am sent you. Yahweh sent you. Max Ricardo, in his book on Psalm 23, defines Yahweh as this. The one who is. I love that definition. The one who is. So David says, Yahweh, the Lord, is my. He, it's his. No matter what's going on around him. Yahweh is his shepherd. And shepherd, this metaphor that David's using here, he knows very well. Because early in David's life, he was a shepherd. So he understood what it meant to be led by a shepherd. So his declaration is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have all I need in this shepherd. I don't need anything more. All my hope, all my trust is found in God. We need to make a declaration. So for us, Jesus says in John 8 that he is, I am. He is Yahweh. It, it almost gets him killed. They're going to stone him because of it. So our declaration is Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my, my personal. Jesus is Scott's shepherd. Put your name there. Jesus is, say your name, shepherd. We shall not want. Because Jesus is our shepherd. John tells us that Jesus is the shepherd of us. So Psalm 23 is all about the good shepherd, Jesus. And we shall not want. That he is more than enough for us. All of our hope is found in Jesus and nothing else. So following starts with a declaration. Have you made that declaration in whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through? Is Jesus your shepherd putting you in a place where you shall not want? Following starts by declaring. So we build our hope also by allowing Jesus to shepherd us. Verse 2 and 3 there. So there's three ways he shepherds us to hope. That's by caring, leading, and protecting us. So we're going to look at those three. Verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus builds our hope by caring for us. He loves us. He cares for us. And here's how he cares for us. He provides for our needs. He says that he, he, he provides grass and water for these sheep. Their core needs, grass and water, right? So Jesus promises us that. He tells us in Matthew 6 and in Philippians 4 that he will provide all of our needs. 
Now, where we get tripped up and where our hope gets messed up is when we focus on our wants and we start relying on our wants to give us hope. Our hope comes when our needs are met. And when things get crazy and circumstances come, we have to understand that we have to look and see through that haze and see our needs being met because that will build our hope. When we wait for our wants to be met, we start losing hope. So he cares for us by providing for us, providing our needs. He cares for us by providing rest. Listen to this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. <laughs> and I love this um, because there's this image of this thick green pasture, like a lawn. I love thick green lawns. I love to sit in thick green lawns, lay down and just enjoy uh, the sky in this lawn and, and have rest. My family teases me because right now I'm in this big project trying to get a good thick green lawn at my house. I'm struggling right now, so pray for me, okay? <laughs> but in that, we have rest. Because it's, it's uncommon in Israel for this thick, green pastures. But God takes them there so that they could have good rest. That's the imagery that we have here. Rest is important for us. In the Hope Quotient book that I read, it says, hope abounds in rested people. A hopeful person is a rested person. Did you hear that? A hopeful person is a rested person. We need good rest. Here is the good news. It says, he makes me lie down. He does the work. We don't have to strive and work to get to this place to achieve rest. No, he does the work. He makes us, he lets us lie down in these green pastures. So for us, following him and allow him to do his work. That's what we need to do. And do his work in his time so we can rest and stop fighting against the situation and therefore grow in hope. He cares for us by providing quiet. He leads us besides still waters. Or it's translated often, quiet waters. See, rushing water would get the sheep all anxious and nervous. I grew up in a little ranch, and we had sheep. And I saw them a few different times get scared and nervous, and they get crazy. I watch a little herd of sheep, flock of sheep I think it is, uh, run through a barbed wire fence when they got scared. So we're not quiet, we get crazy. So God wants us to be still in spirit and calm. See, it's in that quietness, in that calm, that hope is allowed to rise up in us. Listen to Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world 
what he's saying is when we are calm and we're still and letting God be God, what happens is we will see what he is doing and hope rises. It happened to me this week. As I said, I was on furlough. I went to a friend's cabin in Twist, Washington, and there's no internet, no cell service. It's just this cabin in the woods with this amazing view, uh, and I just had to sit and read and think and pray. And after my time there, when I was ready to come back, hope just soared because of that quietness and that calm. I mean, I was like, in a good way, like a caged tiger. I could not wait to come back because God just woke up hope for North Shore. Going into that, I was tired. I was weary. And my hope was taking a hit. But after being calm and quiet and knowing that he is God, I'm excited for the future of North Shore. God is going to do great work, fully confident of that. He's God. So don't let your circumstances determine your calmness. Jesus is leading you beside still waters. And ultimately, his care for us, in that care, he provides restoration. He restores my soul, it says in verse 3. When we receive his shepherding, we follow him. He restores our hope. And he's speaking of that restoration physically, but also spiritually. See, physically, that word that he restores my soul, we oftentimes think of soul uh, from the New Testament translation as our spiritual soul. Here that word means in the Hebrew uh, is our life or our human spirit. He restores our life. But we also know, know excuse me, through scriptural teaching uh, that he restores our spiritual soul. And so, and we see that mentioned in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 in the great invitation Jesus gives. Listen. Verse 28, Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Know that Jesus loves you and he provides care for you to build your hope. Now the second way that we see our shepherd build hope is by leading us. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he leads us in the right path. The Hebrew word there, uh, righteousness here, is better translated right, the correct path. So if we look back as David has this metaphor of shepherding, and I've been to Israel, and I've seen the shepherds' pastures and fields, and there are paths all over it. It's like, wow, how do they know where to go, when to go there? It's confusing. I tell you, when we get into difficult times, it just gets confusing. We get all twisted up. Where did we go? How do we go? Lord, what do you want me to do? And he makes this promise that he will lead us on the right path. And how he leads us is by his voice. John 10 says that his sheep, 
the followers of Jesus, know the shepherd's voice. They know Jesus' voice. Listen to Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, what David says. Show me the right path. O Lord, point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. He leads us by his words, by his teaching, Scripture, through the Holy Spirit. So we need to receive his ways and his truth. Isaiah 55 says, his ways are higher than ours. We have to trust his voice and follow the right path that he has for us. And that right path leads to him. It leads to him. Because our hope is found in him and him alone. Scripture says that he is the blessed hope that we eagerly await. For his name's sake, it's to him, for him, is where he is leading us. He also leads us for his name's sake, for others, so everyone can have hope in him. You see, the sheep are a reflection of the shepherd. The higher quality of the sheep, the safety of the sheep, the better the shepherd. I learned this truth uh, from my son-in-law in Australia. He is a cattle rancher, and they raise Angus bulls. And they are world-renowned Angus bulls. I mean, they are amazing. They sell for fifty dollars and $60,000 this one bull that they are raising. And they have multiple bulls, but this one type of bull and I tell you what, everybody, when they go and purchase these bulls from them, it's a statement about the ranchers. And again, I get an insider look because I know him, how they lead and they guide these bulls and they care for these bulls. And for us, when we have a hope in this troubled world, it says something about our shepherd, about our Jesus. What is your hope level in this tough time, in your tough time? Say about your shepherd, about Jesus. So are you allowing Jesus to lead you in hope? So lastly, we see that our good shepherd builds hope by protecting us, by protecting us. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Through the valleys, this is the powerful verse. We've all heard this. Through these valleys, in these dark valleys, enclosed valleys, and it says that they're the shadow of death, through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, it doesn't say death is there for sure. It says just a shadow of it, that it is looming. It's close, and you feel it. See, for us, we feel the shadows of death. Sometimes it's in lives, in people's lives, and we feel that shadow closing in. But sometimes it's the death of relationships. Feel it closing in and dying. Or it's our circumstances, things around us, the world as we know it, closing in, the shadow of it dying. 
what he claims here is I will fear no evil. In that shadow, going through that valley, I will fear no evil. See, fear is the opposite of hope. So how can he say, I will fear no evil? I love this. Because he says this, because you are with me. The closeness of Jesus. See, David here changes his pronoun. He goes from the third person in the first couple of verses to now in verse 4 to the first person. He is speaking directly to God. Personal. You are with me. See, Jesus tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us. And that is powerful. And it, it is something that just eases us and takes fear away and allows hope to rise. My grandson, uh, they're staying with us for a while. And he calls me Pop Pop, okay? So he comes up to me in bedtime. And he'd gotten up out of bed a couple times. And he says, Pop Pop, will you come lay with me? I'm afraid. I said, okay. So we walk up there. We lay in his bed. And it's interesting, not a word was said. He snuggles up, grabs his blanket, and just lays there at peace because of the closeness of his pop-pop. We get to do the same when Jesus is close, and he tells us he is right there with us in our valley. And to get through those valleys, he says, I'm going to use some tools, some tools of the shepherd. First of all is the rod. And the rod is uh, for the shepherd is a stick about yay long, about this big around, and he'd use that rod when a predator would come and throw it at that predator uh, to chase it away or potentially kill it, destroy it. See, Jesus, for us, is our protector, our rod. We have an enemy. You have to know that. We have an enemy that is prowling like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. That's Satan. And he wants to to destroy us. He wants those shadow of death to come in. No. The light of the world, the life, Jesus, boom, is on watch for us. We can have hope in that. His staff, his staff, what a shepherd's staff is, and this is what you probably are more used to seeing. It's the long staff with the, the hook on it, right? The shepherd's staff. Uh, he used it to guide us, right? To, onto the right path. To rescue, to rescue us, to rescue the sheep. And when they'd fall you know, over a, an edge or cliff, he'd use that to get them. Or if they got into the thicket and got, got stuck or in the mud, he'd use that hook to grab them, to rescue them from places they have went. God rescues us. Jesus rescues us. Also to discipline, right? Uh, we had sheep, like I said earlier, and uh, it is interesting how they just bite at each other, nip at each other all the time, right? Sometimes we are the problem with one another, how we treat each other, especially when stress rises and circumstances rises. We have a tendency to turn on one another. And the shepherd reaches out with that staff and pop, just a little, hey, discipline. Because he loves us. He wants us to love one another, wants us to love him. So therefore, he disciplines us. And that, it says here, comforts us. It comforts us because we come to understand his plan and that he is ultimately protecting us. But also another interesting thing. I want you to think about this. 
where do you typically find grass and water? Is it on the top of a mountain? Nope. Is it, is it halfway down the mountain? Nope. Where is it? It's in the valley. It's in the valley. It's where you find water. It's where you find this luscious, thick grass. It's there. See, in the valleys in life, our shepherd is protecting us and allowing us to go through that because it's in those valleys most often that we grow the most and our hope increases the greatest in these valleys. And those valleys oftentimes are necessary for our growth. And we need to follow him and allow him to lead us and protect us in those valleys and those tough circumstances so that our hope can grow. Now the second half of this psalm, David writes of, of the landing place the shepherd has for us and the indicators of the level of hope that we have. We will see here that we build hope by living in our shepherd's kingdom. By living in our shepherd's kingdom. Listen to verses five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, so he speaks of our landing spot from the shepherd. Where is he leading us to? Where does he want us to arrive? Verse 6 tells us, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord. That's where he wants, to our dwelling place. The house of the Lord is simply the presence of God, the presence of Jesus for us. And so where he is, now and forever, is called the kingdom of God. It's Jesus' kingdom. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. And David changes the metaphor here to a host because Jesus is our host in his kingdom. And when we are living in his kingdom, our hope has a chance to grow. Now our hope will never be perfect. It is a growing and maturing thing. But we can look at these indicators and see how are we doing? Are we living in his kingdom? And are these indicators showing us that yes, we are in hope and growing in hope? That's how David closes this with this changed metaphor of the host. So let's look at some of these indicators quickly. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The first indicator is our peace. Because see, what a host would do in this Old Testament time is that they would promise, they would guarantee their guests safety. They could come in even when everything is raging outside. Their enemies are right there. And they could come down and sit down and have a meal in peace. See, Jesus says this that he came to give us and leave us with his peace, John 14. So the question is, where's your peace? Because the higher 
the hope, the higher the peace. Are you at peace? Another indicator is our joy. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Another custom is when a guest would come that they would anoint them, put oil over their head on their face, they'd worship, they would be refreshed, they would be honored. And what that would do is bring them into a place of happiness, of joy. Even when things outside are crazy, the enemies are out there, they have this deep contentment, this joy. So hope produces a joy greater than our circumstances. Are you finding joy regardless of your circumstances? Tough question. Another indicator of hope is our satisfaction. My cup overflows, it says. See, the host just keeps filling this cup up. Imagine that, you're sitting there at this table, you got this drink, and it just keeps a flowing. It's like, whoa, more and more and more. Um, and he's really speaking of our fulfillment or our satisfaction, that we have all that we need. We have a space and a place that we don't need anything that the world is offering. We have all that we need from what God is offering us. So hope brings a satisfaction. Are you fulfilled? Is Jesus enough? The last indicator mentioned here is our confidence. I love this, verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, We have a confidence that his goodness and mercy, most often translated love, that his goodness and his love will follow us all the days of our lives. See, his goodness and his love is what motivates Jesus. He loves us. He is good. And that goodness and his love will follow us or be with us, looking at that Hebrew translation, that it is there with us all the time. And you can have confidence in that. Now, interesting enough, it's not before us. You pick that up? We'd all love it if, hey, goodness, love, that's right out there. So I know how everything's going to go every step of the way. We wouldn't need faith. We wouldn't need trust in him. No, he says, I want you to come to me in faith, in trust, the knowing that that is right here. It is right here. As you walk in this valley, this circumstances, it's right there for you. It is behind you. See, when we are secure in his kingdom, we have confident hope that he is working for the good for us that love him. It's one of his great promises. But he also has a confidence in this. Another indicator is that he has confidence of the future. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David's eyes are set above and beyond this world, beyond the right now and whatever circumstance he's going through. See, we have to understand that God wants that for us as well. See, we are just foreigners or aliens and visitors. We're missionaries on this earth right now. 
This is not our home. This circumstance is not our home. It's not the end of the story. Jesus calls us to lift our eyes up above the world and see and live from what he promises us in eternity. See, that just builds hope. It becomes hope. It's the hope of where we're going. It allows us to get through all circumstances. Revelation 21 really paints that picture of where our eyes are set. And I want to encourage you to set your eyes on this picture, no matter what your circumstances is, no matter what circumstances we're going through in our society, our gaze is set here. Listen, Revelation 21, 3 through 5, picture of heaven. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And I'll add this. They will bring hope in the right now of the future kingdom coming. You can have hope right now because of what God has promised and what he's doing. So looking at this message, Psalm 23. When you are following Jesus and living in his kingdom, you will have peace, joy, satisfaction, and confidence that are the building blocks of the hope that Jesus has for us. Psalm 23. Hope. That's my prayer for you, North Shore that we would be a people of hope because of our good shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to ask Josh to come, and he's going to lead us. I just want him to close us and take us into this place. I want you to think about hope and how your hope is growing and how you can grow it, how you can build it, all because Jesus loves you and he is with you right now. I love you, North Shore.